Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Welcome, everyone. This is Steve Clear. Thanks for joining us at another Next Level Brands Podcast. Our show is brought to you today by the Next Level Brands CPG community a merger of the experience of Next Level Marketing and the educational resources of Kitchen to Shelf, the Next Level Brands community brings together CPG entrepreneurs at all stages of growth, providing knowledge, training, courses, and networking, not only with fellow entrepreneurs, but also key partners in the industry, including packaging, finance, and e-commerce. More details are available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's, nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Well, folks, we're in for a great show today. Joining me today is Kelly Egan and Brian Pierce. Kelly is the co-founder and COO. Brian is the CEO of True Salt. No surprise, a salt product, but a different one and one with a different mission. Their goal, to democratize the use of sea salt. Brian was a 25-year veteran of restaurants and hospitality with experience at operating elite hospitality groups like the Four Seasons, as well as owning his own restaurants. Kelly, on the other hand, is a veteran of marketing and venture development with experience in Fortune 100 companies, as well as Silicon Valley startups. They both met through mutual business interests and started discussing how they were passionate about culinary experiences and realized an opportunity to create better ingredients, which included the taste of actual, true, honest-to-goodness salt. Today, True Salt is used by top chefs, leading hospitality organizations, and household brands all over the country and is one of the fastest-growing new brands in the salt category. We're going to hear why. Welcome to the program, Kelly and Brian. Thank Thank you very much. Appreciate you having us. So uh, we don't we don't often get to have uh, where we have co-founders. We don't often get to have both co-founders at the same time uh, on the program. And so that's going to be a real treat. And also, you guys come from slightly different types of backgrounds, but melding those specialties and stuff into founding a, a, a CPG business is awesome. And then your mission sounds like a real good one. So first of all, in case there are, uh, some people out here are involved in, you know, jewelry products and protein mixes and whatever else. Tell us about sea salt. What the heck is it that makes sea salt so different? So I'll start. Yeah. So Kelly and I actually met a few years back over food. So that was our passion. Um, and, you know, being a food service guy, when we, you know, I, as we got into uh, going out and dining and, and experiencing different types of cuisines, which we both love you know, we had, we started having conversations about food and I was transitioning out of a business and I was working in Mexico and I had just had this random conversation with an individual that was telling me, oh, and in the United States, the reason why our food in Mexico tastes good is because we don't season with the chemical. And I started thinking, what is he talking about? But it didn't make sense to me. And I come home and, you know, I'm looking at the box of uh, the salt I have at home and I start seeing that there's stuff in it. Right. And then I start researching. And then I, you know, I call Kelly and I said, Hey, do you know anything about salt? And he's like, What are you talking about? And, and we literally just sparked up this conversation saying, In 20 years of me being in the business, I didn't even know there was a different salt. We just basically used one salt in every hotel and restaurant that I used. And then, you know, basically I I pitched that to Kelly and you know, off we were, I guess that was the impetus and the start of, you know, kind yeah. of you know, and then looking at that. When you know, I look, I came at it and I said, "Yeah, you're absolutely right." But then, on and all, when you look at it from a market perspective, you know, you look at this and you say, "Yes, there's really only one really brand of salt, but there also is the specialty salt area." So, if you look at it from a market perspective, you've got um, 
a legacy brand that is dominating, like a dominant legacy brand. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a, kind of this fragmented market of specialty brands, but there really is no middle. And that was extremely exciting to me. I said, wow, we can build a brand for the entire middle. And that's, that was very cool. There are categories, we call them sleepy categories or whatever they are. And, and you have people who come in like you guys and shake them up. So you had like, you know, Kodiak cakes in pancakes and stuff. Pancakes wasn't doing a whole lot. And then all of a sudden, boom, something comes in. But when you're talking about the business of salt, you're talking about something where you're, you're is the word mining? Is the word harvesting? What is it? So talk about how that works and how salts are different. Yeah, so, yeah. go ahead, Cal. No, I was going to say, Brian, go ahead, please. So yeah, most salts are harvested. Uh, sorry, most salts are mined. Um, most of the salts that a lot of the basically large enterprise companies, including hotels and restaurants, come from the ground and they come from all sources all over the, all over the world or all over the United States. Sea salt has been around obviously forever. And in the hospitality industry, we primarily primarily used sea salt as a finishing salt and or for specialty purposes. If I'm just a person who uses, you know, Morton's, right? Um, are there different tastes and flavor profiles based on where the salts come from and how does that work? Yeah, there are. Yeah. So what we... Sorry, Kelly, you got I <laughs> jump no in. Problem. No, I was just going to say, yes, there, there, there are. And, you know, what, uh, what we're describing really is there are different tastes and there are, you know, there are places like Pink Himalayan, you know, Black Hawaiian, um, and they are tied to kind of where they're from. And those are exactly what you would call them, specialty salts. And, you know, what, uh, what Brian was referring to is, you know, the, the salt that is used in everyday cooking either professional or home that is for the most part you know mine that's you know the brands that uh, you see kind of you know populating the bottom rack in the grocery shelf and, and what we learned steve this is interesting so being a former sommelier which is means you know kind of a fancy name for a wine guy we had chefs telling us you know so we would go out with baggie number one and number two and we would say try this and they taste it and they sure. say, wow this this tastes really good and then they would try the second one and they'd say wow this is really salty and we would say well that's the one you're using because a lot of people it, it's a bit of a myth that sea salt is saltier and in fact it's not and then another individual uh, chef had said you know salt from the sea has unique characteristics and tastes so so baleen you know, from France tastes different from um, something that comes from Essex, Essex, London, or something that comes from the Mediterranean. And then what everybody likes about the Sea of Cortez sea salt is it's this real light, fresh, briny, you know, you get this beautiful salt characteristic, and then it just kind of goes away. And this was on this trip to Mexico, where you kind of had this epiphany. So then you go back to Sea of Cortez as sourcing for the salt. Correct. Yeah. And, yes, and right. yeah. And is it because it's close? Cause it tastes better. I mean, what, 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 what happens? There that makes I mean, it, it was good. kind of, kind of a combination of that. Like we, you know, you look at all the factors, you go, this is, this is world-class sea salt. I mean, some of the best you can get. And, you know, we're based in Phoenix and it was, uh, it was extremely beneficial that, you know, from a supply chain perspective and from a, a sourcing perspective, um, we, do not have to bring it over 
um, oversea in a shipping container, meaning right. we truck it over land and it's beneficial to us. It's beneficial to all of our customers. And especially now, actually, during the supply chain dynamic we have, it's extremely beneficial. So um, all of those things, we looked at this and go, this is, this is an amazing opportunity um, and let's go for it. Yeah, and the main hurdle that we had to come up with was the chefs were telling us as we were into this testing mode was you have to, you know, cooks, and I'm using my fingers doing a pinch, yeah, chefs, chefs chefs grab from a bowl and then they kind of move their fingers and then and they, they pinch salt, right? So most chefs can pinch a tablespoon to a teaspoon very quickly. So we knew we had to emulate that texture. So Kelly and I, you know, we were, you know, basically in my garage with different granularities of salt in the summer in Phoenix. And we we have a picture of this funky tumbler and we were trying to emulate it. And then, you know, we had version one through five, let's call it. And then we went out into the market to our culinary friends and we said, try this. Right. And then, yeah, they crunch it with their fingers. Okay. That works. Tastes good. And then, you know, it, it just, how much is it? You know, it's less than what you're paying for, you know, for Morton's and, you know, we're off to the races. I, I can, um, sympathize with that if there's a brand that shall remain unnamed a specialty brand that uh, it basically stays on your fingers yeah. you go you go to do a pinch and you yeah. are over and you're and it's just you're like wait a minute, i need to wash my hands and i don't even know what's yeah. got on here <laughs> not, not, not good so a moisture little bit, a little bit yeah, about so so i mean and brian you've had your own restaurants and stuff so and, and you're very comfortable probably in the kitchen and very comfortable talking to people about you know, new ingredients, new things, why they should use it, whatever else. Kelly, on the other hand, right, you're over here more on the tech kind of side and whatever. What what drove you to want to do this? Well, for a couple of reasons, you know, I I had been in the fast-paced venture development uh, world for, you know, a long time, like 15, 20 years, both within large corporations um, and then also in Silicon Valley in a series of, of three different st- very high pay, high paced startups, and you know, to be very honest, I was burned out. I was I was really burned out, and I wanted to change a pace. And you know, I um, I had always had this passion for food; it's part of my my uh, my DNA. And what I started to do as a way to um, to learn more about the food industry and the ecosystem, you know, I started making you know small. Um, investments and participating in various types of food related um, projects and, you know, just to understand it. And one of the things that, you know, when, when we, we started this, you know, we, we had a strategy and it's still our strategy that um, we need to have a product that can be the best possible product for food service, you know, when we first started, but that it also has to have a very strong brand behind it. And in addition to that, you know, one of the things that um, is so great about working together is we both have experience and knowledge of how to build a venture from absolute nothing because we've, we've done it before. So it's, right. you know, we, um, we fall back on those skills every day. And, you know, when Brian tells the story about, um, about the garage, like it, it's a hundred percent we went to Home Depot. We had to buy a tumbler. There's, you know, we're in there in the garage in 110 degrees, sweating it out with these 50-pound bags of salt that you know, were brought up from Mexico in an orange Home Depot tumbler, trying to get the right, the right mix, you know. And then 
at also at the at, you know the same time we are we're building various you know, strategies and it it is truly from the very beginning absolutely nothing and that was that's the um you know the fun part about it but yeah that's that was really it i wanted something different i wanted to um still utilize all my 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 skills and experience from uh, from building um and growing uh ventures from the ground up but then also it's really, really fun to build um, a brand where there's a lot of white space in a sleepy category. Right, right. Absolutely. Are you, um, I mean, if you look back a little bit on it, it's um, a tremendous opportunity. Um, but, but let's talk for a minute about, you mentioned the logistic part of it. So when you're starting out, do you say, hey, we're going to run down on a weekend? And get a whole <laughs> bunch of buckets and put them back across <laughs> the border? Oh my God, we or, have or some <laughs> And so, yeah. So how did that work? And then what did it evolve to? And how do you work with, you know, Mexico, with the local governments, with the, the federal government or whatever, to actually do importation and uh, and harvesting? Well, the timing for each of us, as Kelly was kind of, you know, trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. And we'd, and we'd met through some buddies of his that were NBA Thunderbird guys. And, and I had just um, basically sold my company. And so, so we, we, once we both decided, Hey, this is interesting, you know, and we, we had, we really didn't know, we were just puzzled that, that, that there really wasn't a sea salt, you know, that could substitute, you know, for a mainstream food service product. So we, we had this relationship with uh, this individual that I had spoke to, it was a Salinera, you know, down near the ocean. And we kept that relationship. And then once we kind of matched the granularity, and we started working out a purchase agreement. Uh, we went out and got 20 accounts really, really quickly. And then we said, man, this is going to work. And then we actually went out and started in- interviewing the, the food service distributors. And it was funny because when, when we first started that, you know, we went to them and, he, and you know, we said, hey, we got this product. Like, okay, what do you got? Salt. And they said, well, we have 16,000 SKUs. Why do we need salt? And I said, I, you know, like, I don't know. And they say, yeah, I'm not sure if we're interested. And then we said, okay, we'll take our 20 accounts and go down the road. Like, wait a minute, wait, you you have your brand. Well, they didn't say brand. You have your product that's already into accounts. We said, yes. And then that really kind of changed the tone because, you know, right. And then we've got, we've got some popularity happening and we've got penetration into the market. Yeah. And and by the way, of your 16,000 SKUs, salt's consumption rate, is far greater than a lot That's of the right. stuff that you That's know right. your frozen hush puppies yeah. that you're throwing in there every week, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So, all right. So, and you were able to do a lot of that, Brian, right yourself. So you, you could go talk to restaurant people right. and get that, and and obviously that's a you know getting a few accounts before you talk to your distributors and stuff is is definitely a, a way to go. Um, but on the on the on the production side. So uh, again, once it's it, the Sea of Cortez, and imagine this beautiful, you know, area, whatever. What actually physically happens to get that into a container for yeah. you know for me to get a box of true salt? Well, um, so you know, we go down to see our partners um, on a regular basis. In fact, they're just up here visiting us in uh, um, in Phoenix. So there there are pools that um, it, it kind of exist right on the shore. And the water is brought in, and it goes through a series of of, of drying and washing. But the water uh, evaporates, solar evaporation, it washes it, and that becomes a salt. This is a very simplified version. It gets um, 
picked up, harvested up, washed again, like with uh, with fresh water, and then spun in centrifuges to get all the moisture out, and then bagged and brought up. Or oh, and we bring ours, um, you know, on a regular basis. All we do the border, trucked up, and right to our location in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. So we get, yeah, we import export and we, you know, all this was a learning process because we had no idea how that worked. We didn't know what the truckloads were. And, you know, our first truckload came up and, you know, generally you can hold 43,000 pounds, which is for us 16 to 17 pallets, metric tons. So, you know, we get that first load to the warehouse and it's just, you know, Kelly and I in shorts and, you know, Nike air fit shirts, because we know we're going to be sweating it off in the warehouse. And, and we just, that, that's how we started. We just, you know, we're, we just shipped it up. And, and the other thing I should mention is from, I had a relationship with my other company because I was working in Mexico for about two years that, that came on with us early on and became our liaison. And he's our partner in Mexico. He's amazing. And he really is kind of anything that we need. First of all, you can't, it's hard, probably almost impossible to do business in Mexico unless you have, um, a yes. relationship with an individual down there. And, and we had, we had this. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's, it's uh, notorious for having to have somebody for local to be involved yes. in the situation or, you know, much different from China, but very much the same. And the fact that if there's not a strategic partner involved in it, you're probably not going to go that right. far. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. There's gotta be a, a relationship that is um, based off trust and, and, you know, very well, um, executed. And we were very fortunate to, you know, to have that from the beginning and have him part of our team. So when you start out, obviously food service mode, cause you know, it, you're there, you get some traction. Um, where does the then addition of the third channel, you know, or the second or third, depending which one as selling it as an ingredient for use in prepared food and then consumers in grocery channel, where, yeah. how did that evolve? Well, this, this is an important timeline. So, so we start, so what we haven't talked about is the timing. So Kelly and I spent about eight to 10 months to kind of do all this investigation, get the granularity, right. Right. Stoke the fire into these accounts. This is the fourth quarter of 2019. Oh, of course. So so we're excited because in January, 45 days into 2020, Kelly and I are like, we just, we just did in 45 days in sales, what we did in the whole fourth quarter. So we're excited because we're thinking this is happening. And then mid-March, everything goes to zero. And and we're basically just kind of freaking out. So we are on our last breath and, and we had been kind of stocking some ingredient accounts because, you know, we only knew food service and we only knew restaurant and hotels. And we all know with COVID, it went to zero. Yeah. So it's a longer story, but we had, you know, we had, we had um, Amy's kitchen, which is this amazing organic food producer oh, yeah. from Northern California. Yep. She, she finally called and said, listen, just give me some time. I'm going to get it to the, sh-. there's a whole story behind it, but she basically just said, let me get it to the chefs and I'll let you know. And, and we got the call. And Kelly and I are like, I mean, it just, it was a, it was, it wasn't even, it was a life preserver and it was, it was the right timing. Um, And it really kind of saved us and it opened up this whole world to us that we had no idea. We didn't know anything about. Well, and also from a timing perspective, something also 
happened to us during COVID. And, you know, we didn't really think about it until it started happening is we were and started getting more accounts very quickly is we were indirectly um, caught up in the huge CPG surge that happened because, you know, obviously March, April, May, June, July, 2000, you know, the, the, the shelves just couldn't keep up. Like the brands just couldn't keep up with manufacturing. And that's when, um, you know, our business started to really take off because we realized that these brands were calling us because they needed their forecast all of a sudden doubled and they needed to find another place to get high quality sea salt just to get it going. And that's what really helped us as well, because we realized that um, we are <laughs> we are the first gre- ingredient in many of those frozen meals. <laughs> yeah, I got I, I to have that, you know. Right. That's- so we were very fortunate that and, you know, the uh, the things happen like that. And that's really how our our second channel really started. And, you know, it's it was one of those things Brian said, like, you know, we were figuring out how do we save this company? and that door opened. And now, you know, we are, we're very fortunate now that we are running full steam ahead in that channel and we've built up an entire ingredient business, but, you know, still we, every day we are very thankful for that opportunity and that opening that, um, you know, that kind of presented itself. For sure. Yeah, and it was interesting. One of the things that we were doing, so you know, we had these, you know, Kelly and I drove around in our cars and we had these little craft bags, like these little sacks with a clear little window in it. And we had our salt. So we were giving those out. And then, you know, we would visit the chefs and then we're walking out and they go, Hey, wait, wait, can, can we get some of this? I'm like, yeah, well, we just gave you some. He goes, I know, but you know, my wife only wants to use true salt now. And we're, we said, yeah, sure. So we start giving, you know, the chefs and the cousins and everybody wanted it. <laughs> and then, and then we were doing, as Kelly mentioned, we, we were doing some Amazon sales, but then we, we thought, well, man, we got to really kind of look at a, at a retail product, uh, product, meaning what do we have currently that we could put on the shelves? And, and it's funny, the learning curve of what we first started off with. And, you know, we had these squishy buckets that were pulling out of the truck and it's, they're, they're, you know, in 120 degree heat, they're falling apart and salt's going all over. And then, you know, we had these, these pouches that we thought were going to be super cool, you know, in the shelves and, and our, our retail, our retail grocery footprint ramp right now is great. But, um, you know, Kelly's designed this amazing, you know, look and feel. And, and now we have these beautiful shakers that sit on, you know, about in in about a thousand doors throughout the U S. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. That, um, that's exactly how it happened. Like we, you know, you either start off wanting to conquer the, the grocery shelf or you don't. And we, we said, we're going to wait and see how do we enter this? And to be very honest, we got pulled into it. Just as Brian mentioned, like we had such demand for people in our food service channel wanting to get this. We said, all right, I, we, we can do it. And so um, we're very fortunate again to have, some very early support from uh, some great, great retail partners, you know, like Gelson's, Smart and Final, some of our early supporters, um, and then uh, uh, out in Los Angeles, you know, Gelson's, and yep. then, and they're great. And then um, we continued to grow through that. So you know, today you can find our uh, our shakers and our boxes on shelves uh, at Albertsons and Safeway, you know, on the uh, um, in the Southwest. In the East Coast, you can find us at Giant Eagle. 
Um, we were at Home Goods all across the country. Yep. And then, um, you know, for 2022, for next year, we have um, some aggressive expansion conversations happening. But again, it's one of those things kind of, I know you like to go back and discuss the entrepreneurial journey in this. And, you know, one of the things is you just got to keep your eyes always open because you never yeah. know when the opportunities come. But when they do, you got to run through the door as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's one of the things that's a little different about food and beverage than, let's say, tech, um, is that you, you work your way up the funnel. So you start out with, you know, 20 stores in L.A. and, a, you know, a few in Phoenix, but your next move is 200 stores. And then the very next move is 2000. Right. And it's like it just, you know, yeah. and, for, and both from a production standpoint management standpoint, a capital spending standpoint. It just, it, you know, yeah, it's great to be successful, but it also rockets really fast. Yeah. yeah. And we, and we quickly, Steve, we quickly learned, we listened to the customer and it's something that I had learned from, you know, the hospitality business is we weren't afraid to pivot. You know, we, we had eyes wide open and we listened a lot and we weren't offended when somebody said, Hey, if your packaging could be this, you know, or, you know, your, your 30 pound bag, your sacks are too big. So we reduced it to 25. Then we reduced it to 20. I mean, we, we really, to this day, you know, our partnerships with all of our customers and in, in, in our three components of revenue, we care and we talk to them and we, and we listen. And I think, you know, Kelly and I always say, you know, if we got an issue, call one of us, you know, we give out our cell phone number so that when, if there's a delivery issue, they have to call us because we have to fix it. So it really is about the people in the business, you know, in all of the sectors. And, and, and we think, you know, as we continue to grow, that is our philosophy moving forward. I mean, right now, obviously, it's a more geographic and more channel kind of oriented. Um, any thoughts of value added product things or, you know, peppers or spices or anything of that in the future? Funny you mention that. <laughs> uh, we, we had a request from one of our suppliers. Uh, Kelly and I have both agreed we were just going to do salt, beautiful, beautiful sea salt. And then through a, um, we were donating salt to a small startup, which we love to do. We love to uh, we support cooking schools and youth organizations and startups. So, you know, we, we did that with this company and it came back to us, you know, multi fivefold. And we were introduced, uh, somebody had said, would you want to do smoke salt? and Kelly and I talked and he said, you know, I, I think we have an open channel for this. So we, we, I'm having a conversation as I'm, we're donating hundred pounds to his group in Flagstaff. And I just mentioned smoke salt. And he says, you know what? A buddy of mine has a commercial smoker that we can smoke salt for you guys. <laughs> so, so I, Kelly and I said, well, let's get some samples and we get samples and literally Kelly and I, we, to this day, we have smoked. It's, it's a sustainably harvested pecan from Flagstaff, Arizona, and we, it hasn't hit the market. We do supply uh, one of our, our spice companies, but it is, it's probably, we, we think it's going to be our number one sell, you know, volume skew uh, in the U S. Wow. Yeah, um, it's, um, it is so pure, like the, in its smell of, of, um, of smoke and campfire. Um, in fact, you know, whenever we got a, you know, we got another load uh, in yesterday, I believe, or the day before, and whenever we get 
you know, our, our, uh, our truck coming with all the freshly smoked salt, it smells like you've walked inside of a campfire. It's so yeah. strong, but it's so wonderful. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, again, we go back to Kelly tech background, venture background, mm-hmm. Brian, you more within, within hospitality and, and restaurant um, co-founders. A lot of times, you know, there's division of labor and division of responsibility. How do you guys, how'd you guys figure that out? And you know, was somebody naturally better with the books or how'd you break that up? It was partnerships or marriages, right? And you, cause Kelly and I hadn't really known each other. We, we had met, and, you know, again, we, you know, we had this passion for food. So definitely like little bumps along the way. But one of the things that, that we, that, that I did, you know, I said, Hey, these are, this is a list of stuff that I'm bad at. Right. And then Kelly's like, okay, great. This is a list of stuff that I'm great at. And the yin and yang for us is Kelly's skill set of organization, his branding, his marketing, you know, all of that stuff that I, I have zero skill set at. And then, and then my ability to go out into the hospital, I always say, you can't put me in front of anybody that I can sell this brand to. I mean, these are my people. This is how I grew up. So, so we kind of, you know, in the beginning, we both had to do everything. And, you know, to the audience, it is, it's hard. You're doing it all. You're working long hours. You know, you're, you're not really, it, there's no such thing as like, how long is your work week? It's, the answer is yes, it, it yes, is. You're, right. just, you're working. You're working. And we kind of fell into some different positions. And then as we've grown, you know, we, we've, we know our specialty, we know our weaknesses. So, so to answer your question is you, you just have to be patient, calm. You have to be understanding. And I think the biggest thing that we started doing really good was frequent meetings and just really open communication. Yeah, when you know when you the keto to any good and successful um, and fruitful business partnership is, you have to know your role, and you also have to know, you know what what you aren't good at, and you have to admit it, and you have to find a a partner that can hopefully fill those things. You know, and you know in the uh, one of the things, and Brian put it quite well. In fact, I remember specifically as a conversation where it kind of boiled down to. I will do all the desk related work because I have no issue with that. And Brian said, great, because I don't yeah. like sitting at desks. <laughs> I said, okay, yeah. it's fine. I, I can sit yeah. at a desk for about tw- 20 minutes. <laughs> right. Long enough to write. And if you need to get up, walk around, Brian, it's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very strange. I, I, I was in a, a very, uh, a great partnership in my agency for 23 years. And, um, you know, we, both saw more of each other, more time during the day than we saw our wives for sure, or his children for that matter. Uh, but it was very crucial that, you know, you kind of found those and it took us a little while to kind of figure that out. Um, but um, my, my ex partner was very uh, analytical, had a degree in statistics and whatever, but, but he wanted nothing to do with the checking account, the, the accounting. I wasn't really that good at accounting, but we did hire a good bookkeeper, but, you know, it was, it was, you know, accounts receivable, whatever. I always handled all of that. And then one time I forget what I was doing. I was doing something. Oh, I know what it was. I was in New York. He had to sign my expense check and my wife had to deposit the check in order to make sure that everything was, was cleared. The bank bounced it because they'd never seen the signature. <laughs> he never signed one. 
That's like, funny. It's like, you, you For know, fraud. You, you, right, right. You could go back to the signature card, couldn't you? No, no, no. Right. Never seen this before. Right. This is not. Nope. Yeah, that was inopportune right. to say the least. Yeah, but yeah. no, but, but funny. And, and good that you guys bring that up because I think that's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the things with the great thing about the partnership versus the solopreneur is you've got somebody to help carry that weight, to bounce the stuff off from, to laugh together, to cry together, other than the people at home when you go home and carry it home, right? You, right. you got somebody else to, to, to bear that weight. And, and I think that's, that's very important. I'd have hated to have been totally on my own in business. Well, that's hundred percent true. And also you, you get, you get the, you get the impact times two. So I'll give you an example, like on a, you know, not a week goes by where one of us or both of us are at a grocery store and we're looking, we're just, you know, going down, doing our, our shopping. And there are times, frankly, I'll be honest, that I forget that, that our SKU is carried in the store I'm in. And I'll be like, oh, wow, there, there we are. But we will, we will be doing our own inventory checks. You know, we will be, you know, standing in the aisle watching you know, for 10 minutes, watching people evaluate which kind of spice or salt they want to buy and learn from that, you know, and we, we kind of double up those efforts. But, you know, they're in the beginning. I mean, we're not sugarcoating anything like we were sweating it out, breaking 50 pound bags of salt, you know, like um, it, that's in 120 degree heat. And that's how we started this business. So to do that alone would be would almost be impossible i think for someone to do yeah yeah it's too much yeah no it's it's a definitely definitely a better a, a better approach um the only uh the only other um vignette i have about that was a, a year and a half ago or so i interviewed a couple who were co-founders of their company which is a successful company and unfortunately whoever i was working with to begin with to set up the interviews or whatever had forgotten to mention to me that they had since divorced. <laughs> and wow. so I, I throw the questions to them just the way I throw it to you guys, except, except I'd say, I say as a couple, and she discreetly starts to explain to me that they actually are no longer a couple. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. And, 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 and by the way, she's holding her baby uh, as, as she's telling me this. And, and then he goes into a very eloquent explanation of, you know, this is what happened and we grew apart and whatever, but we're still yeah. business partners and blah, blah, blah. So of course, at the end, I say, you know, by the way, folks, we can cut that whole thing out. That does not right. have to be. My, and they said, no, no, we really, you know, there's gotta be other people other than us in that yeah. situation. And let's, you know, no, no, we're not embarrassed. We're, you still like each other. It's not a problem, but it's just, we went around and said, Oh man, part of their story, right? Yeah, yeah, I can skip doing that again. Thank you very much. I would, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but the one I'm waiting for is the one where there's an ex partner, mm, right? Right. N not married necessarily, just an ex partner. So a founder who had a co-founder, but the co-founder has since been removed. I can't wait for yeah. one of those. So, yeah, that'll be yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of fun. It's very good yeah. stuff. So guys, real quick, um, let's talk about in case folks want to try and and. Uh, get a hold of True Salt and, and definitely should try it. Uh, what's the website where they can find more information? It is uh, True Salt Co. That's True Salt Co.com. And you can buy our SKUs off the website. You can find us in grocery stores. Um, I'll rattle off quickly Gelson's, uh, US Foods, um, Smart and Final, Giant Eagle, 
Albertson Safeway in uh, the Southwest region and Home Goods as well. You can find us. Um, if you are eating at fine establishment and restaurants kind of throughout the country, you there's a good chance that you will be eating True Salt in your food. Um, yep. One of those one of those restaurant chains is True Food Kitchen, uh, which I believe there are about sixty units across the uh, the country. Uh, they pride themselves on clean, you know, very clean, you know, better for you uh, of menu. And then um, if you are walking the aisles of um, your local grocer and are picking up some uh, leading household brands in the frozen section or the salsa section, um, you will most likely be eating uh, true salt in your food. Awesome. Yes. And that's, that's also really good for diversification um, to absolutely you guys yeah. right came up from up again. Yep. It's yep. Good. And you're still on Amazon too, right? Oh uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Are. Okay. All right. Good. Good old Amazon. Well, you know, guys. Hey, I really appreciate um, taking the time. I know you're busy. You got a lot of stuff to do. A lot of salt to get uh, produced and to stores, restaurants, and and other places. But uh, appreciate you taking the time with us. Um, we have a segment of the show we call Words to Grow By. Um, it's pretty simple. You guys are entrepreneurs. You come from different backgrounds. You've now put together a very successful company. We have a lot of fellow entrepreneurs as members of the audience. And we like to ask if you can leave a, a word, a phrase, a quote, uh, or something that you want to leave as a piece of advice to fellow entrepreneurs, and you each get one. So take your time. Go ahead. Uh, I will say it's kind of a mantra of mine is persistence without exception. Okay. Yeah. And I uh, was actually going to say something quite similar. Uh, calm, <laughs> calm persistence is okay is, uh, is it yes not not manic you can be yeah exactly you need to be calm and very methodical about it but you can't stop right yeah don't stop not a good idea well that's great hey folks just appreciate it so much thanks for joining thank you us. we'll we get really you guys back it. on a little down the road to talk about smoke um and uh and what you're going to be doing next wonderful well, we appreciate your time thank you so much you bet thanks, Steve. thanks. thank you Thanks, by the way, to all the rest of you out there for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, part of the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, you should be a part of the Next Level Brands community. Education, resources, workshops, founder coaching, and networking. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next level with two X's, what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.